actually in a podcast now. In a podcast? That's right. Not just any podcast. We're in the trade waiters. But we're trapped inside it? Like, I don't understand. Well, metaphorically oh, speaking. <laughs> this, is getting, this is getting deep, guys. <laughs> it's pretty deep for a Monday night. Uh, as long as they don't do a podcast within a podcast, that would be too many podcasts. Whoa. No, they, they, that's the Inception podcast. Yeah, yeah exactly. Welcome to the Trade Waiters. Yay! Today's book is going to be the first and second volume of Ms. Marvel, uh, re- written by G. Willow Wilson and uh, drawn by two different people, which we will talk about in a minute. Yes. Um, but before we even talk about the podcast or even introduce ourselves, we have to have a spoiler warning. Spoiler alert. For the Trade Waiters, we're assuming that you have already read the books that we talk about, because it's like a book club, and if you go to a book club and you haven't read the book, people are going to look at you funny. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Well, I mean, you've got a pretty ridiculous hat on, so maybe people are looking at you funny for a different reason. I'm just used to people looking at me funny, but there are levels, there are levels. John, a mad tea party was a long time ago. (laughs) It's time to take the hat off. No, never. (laughs) Um, okay, so uh, we are going to first do our um, character-revealing questions so that we can introduce ourselves. Ooh. Today's character-revealing question, uh, I hope this isn't too nerdy a question for all of us. Mm, we'll find out. Too nerdy <laughs> on a review of Miss Marvel? That we're recording in a library? Okay. Well, <laughs> all right. A certain level of nerdiness is expected, I think. Uh, the character-revealing question is... What is your favorite superhero trope? There are a lot of tropes in superhero stories, uh, a lot of things that come up over and over and over again. Uh, Sometimes it can get a little bit repetitive. What's the trope that you actually like and really appreciate and enjoy seeing when it happens? Uh, Oh, here. Um, Since I have a a deeper understanding of superheroes, (laughs) no offense. uh, I would say that um, one of the superhero tropes I really like is also one that you don't see very much. It's one that I think is in uh, Miss Marvel, which is the trope of uh, the character sacrificing to protect people around them and actually wanting to be a force for good. And I think that quite often in superheroes nowadays, they get too mired down in being postmodern and deconstructing the genre and being dark and edgy and we lose sight of the fact that the whole idea was that these are supposed to be characters to aspire to to uh, embody a higher thing to, uh, to 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 reach for and and I think that gets lost a lot and that that's my favorite superhero trope okay Angela so I... oh wait uh, Jeff you need to tell us who you are first. oh right after all that. Um, Who was that guy? Yeah. Uh-huh. Who was that masked man? Oh, man, I, should just, I can't do that over again. All right. um, yeah, so I am Jeff Ellis. I am the vice president of Cloudscape Comics, and I work intermittently on two web comics. Called, one is called Crossroads. The other is called Teach English in Japan. And 
and um, I am currently editing Bones of the Coast, which is going to be a new Cloudscape anthology. Uh, and I also will probably be able to tell everyone in this room more than they want to know about the uh, backstory and uh, character in references for this uh, Marvel comic we're reviewing. Okay. <laughs> All right. Next. All right. So fantastic. Conversely, I've read maybe three floppy issues of superhero comics in my whole life. And uh, thinking about superhero tropes is really hard because I can only think of the ones that I don't like. So if I could borrow from anime superheroes... like That still counts. Okay. I'm so into transformation sequences. Mm. I love transformation sequences. And I don't know if I'm so into the uh, masked identity. Like, I don't think they work, frankly, in superheroes. And I like just like, oh, I look exactly like I am before. And maybe I'm a secret identity. But I just I go through this process and I get these new powers and it's... Fun for me. I like reading it. That's <laughs> something that I don't think Western superheroes really exploit is the transformation sequence. Yeah. It doesn't happen a lot. Apart from Superman and his phone boots, which I don't know how he does that now when there's no phone boots anymore. I think they just abandoned it. Okay. They just were like, this doesn't work anymore. <laughs> <laughs> he, could, he could duck into an internet cafe. I mean, we're, we're getting rapidly to a point where I think he's just not even going to bother with the Clark Kent thing. He's just walks around like, I'm Superman. It's, it's been a hundred years. I think we've figured it out by now. Yeah. yeah. You can only have a secret identity for so long. Exactly. Oh, man, this is going to be like our nerdiest uh, episode. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Angela, did you actually introduce yourself? No. Okay, who are you? What? Oh, I have a secret identity. John, I'm masking me here. It's not fair. That's right. Um, you were anti-mask a minute ago. I am Angela Mellick. Uh, I write a webcomic called Wasted Talent. Okay. Uh, I'm Jonathan Dalton. I'm going to introduce myself right from the start. No secret identity for me. Show off. Uh, And I'm going to say the exact opposite of what Jeff said. I'm going to say that my favorite trope in superheroes is is when they actually pause and think about what are the consequences of um, of, of vigilante justice. Mm. Uh, Because I think there are definitely circumstances in the real world where maybe vigilante justice is called for to a limited degree, but uh, most of the time in superheroes, it's just a free-for-all. It's like, we don't care about the regular world. We're the ones who get to decide. Mm. And so I'm not such a big fan of the deconstruction where you have the hero just roll with that and they don't care about the law. So the Watchmen approach, Mm -hmm. which was good in Watchmen, but not since then. Right. Um, But I... Do appreciate, and this happened in Miss Marvel too, where um, there are consequences for acting outside the law. Uh, even mm-hmm. if it's a good idea, there's still going to be a downside to that and things you have to consider because you're basically taking justice upon yourself. Yes. That's a very, um, that's a big responsibility, and I'm not sure that a lot of people are really up to that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it, I, I, don't, I, don't, I feel like I need to respond to that. <laughs> I, mean, I just wanted to say, like, I. I want to point out I didn't say vigilante justice. I oh, said, I know. Uh, protecting people and saving people. Okay. So I would say that um, too often the belief is that the only thing your character can do is drop down behind a mugger in an alley and beat him up, where some of the things we see in Miss Marvel are exactly what I really appreciate is just the simple acts of like saving someone from drowning or protecting people in like a, in a disaster. And... Uh, I'd like to see more of that in my superhero comics. Okay, I think we're on the same page for that. Uh, all right, so the fourth member of the Trade Waiters is Kathleen Gross, 
who is late. So dun dun dun. But don't worry, because John does a really awesome impression of her, so he's just going to like uh, pretend he knows what Kathleen thinks. And... Yeah, that's right. Or... Uh, yeah, this is Kathleen Gross. Uh, I think you all nerds. <laughs> <laughs> And that we're old. <laughs> Both of those things are true, though, is the thing. We, we could just, like, let her record some stuff and dub it back in. And pretend that she's been here the whole time. But at some point, she will just roll in, and we're looking forward to that. Yes. yes. When you least expect it. Yes. Like Batman. Yeah. We, okay. If we don't uh, just edit her in seamlessly, we should play some kind of a superhero theme uh, introduction. As Can she, we like, do, like, in. the Batman? Yeah, I love that. Yes. And then we can uh, walk uh, the audience through her transformation sequence <laughs> as she turns into Trade Waiter's reviewer, Kathleen Gross. Okay. <laughs> so our character revealing question today was a little more on point than usual, I think, uh, because we're already talking about superheroes. Yes. Um, so you did this to us, John. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's my fault because I picked this book. Um, so, uh, readers may not know this. I'm sure everyone in the room already knows this. I have a long and complicated history with reading superhero comics. So maybe I should start with that. Uh, I read m superhero comics and almost nothing else for about 10 years, uh, starting in middle school. They were the first comics that I read that I got really excited about comics. So in that sense, they're a very sort of important element of my origin story, let's say. Uh, but after 10 years, it kind of was getting to me that there was the same stories repeated over and over, and I felt like there was nothing left in superheroes for me. The, at that point, the first X-Men movie had just come out, and it was better than the comics. And that's not something you can normally say about movie adaptations. Usually, the book is better. But then suddenly, the movie is better. It's written by someone who's never written comics before. I don't know how many comics he's read. And he's doing a better job than these comics I've been reading for 10 years straight. So at that point, I was like, maybe I should invest in something else besides this. Did you, did you take the X-Men to a nice uh, cafe and <laughs> just very calmly explain to them? Oh, no, it was, a, it was a messy It's not breakup. you, it's them. <laughs> it, was, it was terrible. Throwing the boxes out the window. That's right, that's right. Deleting... Your, uh, what, what do they call it? Deleting your pull list from your cell phone. Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't have a cell phone yet. Um, so, anyways, I've tried a few times since quitting comic or quitting superhero comics to go back uh, down memory lane, read a few comics, see what's happening in the Marvel universe, and no, no, you can't go home again. It's 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 gone. It's it's all it's over. Oh, so sad. <laughs> John, I keep telling you, like she's only going to cheat on you again. Oh, I know, I know. Keep going back to her, but she just keeps hurting you. Then Miss Marvel <laughs> comes along. That's true. And this is the first superhero comic I've read. Well, let me actually be more specific. This is the first Marvel slash DC superhero that I've read since breaking up with superhero comics that I actually really like and enjoy. And I think that says a lot about this comic, that it can get even me reading superheroes again. That is true. That is true. I don't... I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you that I think Miss Marvel's a great new addition to the Marvel Universe. And I think that you... The fact that you enjoy it, absolutely, I think, speaks volumes. I think, though, that I, I can already tell that I'm not going to be able to keep reading it forever that it's going to get to a point where it's changed creative hands and it's different people working on it and there's all this backstory at that That's point 
And that's not going to last forever. That's called reading superhero comics. <laughs> I really enjoyed Brian Michael Bendis working on Daredevil. And when he did his last issue, I said, well, it's a great ending for the character of Daredevil. <laughs> I never need to read Daredevil again. Uh, I'm out. And people kept trying to tell me, oh, no, but now Daredevil's in jail with the Kingpin. And now... Foggy Nelson's dead. And I said, I don't know what any of that means because the <laughs> series ended several years ago. I finished reading all of it. I don't need to go back to more of it. <laughs> all right. So before we continue with our impressions of the book, maybe I should talk a little bit about the creative team involved here. This is uh, The entire series so far has been written by G. Willow Wilson, who has done some other things as well. She's done some other superhero comics. She's done Superman, uh, Superman X-Men, uh, a bunch of stuff I don't care about. Uh, she's also done some um, creator-owned stuff. She's done. Uh, she's been a journalist. Oh wow! Yeah. Uh, she lived in Egypt da, for a da, while. Da, 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 da. Now presenting. Ooh, is that darkening our door? How's it going? We are already recording. Whoa. You oh. just walked into the middle of a trade readers podcast. What? You guys start. Sorry. We're just doing background. So rude. Right. So rude. Worst is, friends ever. This is the first step in the Kathleen Gross transformation sequence. <laughs> she's, she's taken off her glasses. Magical podcast Whoa. reviewer. First you have to yeah. imagine Queen. she takes off her dark sunglasses and the tint in the glasses disappears. And sparkles <laughs> cast off to the back and she pulls out her transparent glasses and puts them onto her nose. I change from super cool to total nerd in about two seconds. So basically, this is your secret identity. Yes. Deep, dark secret identity. <laughs> okay. Uh, that was Kathleen Gross, everybody. <laughs> uh, my impression of you didn't is, do you justice. Is that, oh, I'm so disappointed. Is that, is that what we're going to leave as, as our... Character revealing yeah, uh, response from our our fourth trade waiter. Oh. That's right. That's right. <laughs> what was the character revealing question? Oh, oh, the character revealing question one is what is your favorite superhero trope? Like a superhero mm. trope that you actually like. Mm, don't know if there are any. Oh, actually, okay. Um, I guess maybe I like when they make their own costume and it's really garbage at first. Like that's Aww. very charming. That's definitely yeah. a trope. I like that. I like that one. That's the one that I like. <laughs> I would think that your favorite trope would be where they miraculously become an amazing seamstress with costume number two. <laughs> okay, that's it's the practice. Practice that makes no one perfect. Talks about, right? Like Spider-Man makes that costume himself. Like he embroiders all those webs. He's just a really good seamstress. <laughs> I don't know what the problem is. It's in his skill set. <laughs> Yeah, there what? should be more storylines where he saves the day by like creating an entire like period piece costume set for the New York like play. His power is to create oh. thread. I mean, Marvel, are you listening? Forget about this whole photographer thing or this science teacher thing. He needs to be making costumes professionally. <laughs> they are professional quality. <laughs> okay, so I was just talking about uh, G. Willow Wilson. Um, so I mentioned she was a journalist. Uh, she has won many awards, including an Eisner. Mm -hmm. uh, Ms. Marvel won a Hugo this year. Nice! Yay! So, in a very interesting Hugo year. Yes. Um, um, <laughs> what? I, let's not get into it. No. Yeah. It's, oh. it's over. 
Um, she's also done a couple of graphic novels. She's done one called Cairo, which I haven't read. Uh, she's done um, one called Air, which I also haven't read. Uh, but she's also done some novels. She did a novel called Alif the Unseen, which I have read, and that was great. I highly recommend that novel. Right on. Uh, I follow her on Twitter, and she is awesome. Like, every tweet is really spot on, and uh, I, I've only read Miss Marvel, but she seems like she really knows how to write a good comic book. Uh, and if I, memory serves, was she interviewed on Rachel and Miles Explain the X-Men? I'm not sure. You're a more avid listener I of think she was. I, I think you can listen to her being interviewed on that podcast, and she has some really good things to say. Okay. Uh, I also wanted to mention the artists, because a uh, book is not, a comic is not generally made by just a writer. It would be a very empty comic <laughs> if it was just a writer and no artist. I wrote their names down, if uh-huh. you didn't. Okay. Uh, so, most of the first two volumes are drawn by Adrian Alfona, is I think how you say his yes. name? Yes. Uh, he's Canadian. Oh. Uh, <laughs> the other book that he's well known for is Runaways, which is another Marvel book. But it's another one of the super. It's one of the few other superhero comics from Marvel that I would say, mm, yeah, that's all right. That's worth reading. So he gets on some pretty good projects. Mm-hmm. I like how you laughed at our uh, the Canadian <laughs> trademark. Oh, which is the response you have to make when learning that anyone else is Canadian. <laughs> I think your citizenship's uh, under question at this point. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, and then there's a couple of uh, chapters that are drawn by Jake Wyatt who doesn't have a Wikipedia page, but when I Googled him, I did find a comic that he's done that I've seen going around Tumblr, and it's pretty amazing. It's called Necropolis. Oh. Um, oh, my God. That Jake Wyatt. Yeah, oh. that guy. Well, that's crazy, because I've been following Necropolis. I did not put that together. Oh, well, wow. his style is very different in Ms. Marvel. It doesn't look yeah. the same. No, it's You're very, very, very uh, Wow, I'm impressed, John. That's uh, some good, uh, good digging. Yeah. First page of Google. It's not hard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you look up anything about the editor? No, I so didn't. So I was reading the letters, and uh, Sana, I believe, is mm-hmm. the, the editor, and she is uh, of Pakistani descent. So that is what I was kind of looking for. It's like ah. my first, uh, you know, I don't want to be all, you know, PC about it, but the first thing I noticed with this team is like, these are a lot of Western sounding names, which may or may uh, not be true, but Sana. I, I I don't know G. Willow Wilson's entire backstory. I know she's but, a Muslim. Well, oh, I was, okay. But I see, I was going to say, uh, in her Twitter picture, she is wearing a uh, niqab. Okay. Good. No, a hijab. Or a hijab, sorry. Yeah. yeah. No, she's, uh, that's, um, she converted to Islam and then moved to uh, Egypt for a while. I think she went to university there or something. I forget that part. But, right. and then that's been a recurring theme in all of her other works. Okay. Is uh, characters who happen to be Muslim. Fantastic. So we've had uh, some initial impressions of this book already, uh, but Kathleen hasn't had a chance to say anything yet. So what did you think of Miss Marvel? Oh, I thought it was so fun. Um, like, I was really into superheroes when I was thirteen, and then sort of fell off of that um, for a bunch of reasons. But this is like the first time I have felt excited about a superhero since I was thirteen. Like, reading this, I was just I was just really charmed and excited by it. Um, and, I mean, we'll get into it more, but there are some really nice moments in it that, that I really enjoyed. Right on. Okay. Uh, Angela, did you have anything yeah. else you wanted to say? Uh, I, I didn't give my first impressions, but uh, 
So I have almost no experience with superhero comics, so I'm coming in from a complete outsider perspective. Uh, superhero comics, I've always been someone who is interested in comics, but it's not that I was deliberately like forced away from them, but I just had zero interest, right? You know, like looking at the covers and reading about the storylines, I could just tell that they were quote-unquote not for me. I just got that impression so forcefully that it's like, uh, and every time that I've tried, you know, like people have recommended books to me and it's like, give this one a try, give that one a try. And it's like, I read it and I'm just like, I can't. <laughs> it's just like, not for me exudes from every page, right? And uh, similarly, though, Miss Marvel, I opened it up and immediately from page one, I was engaged. And it's just so fun and light and it really manages to draw you in that I was able to uh, pick it up and enjoy it. And I didn't feel the need to put it down at any point. Uh, I really, really enjoy this book. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I actually have been carrying on and reading Volume 3. So, oh, awesome. Uh, you guys want spoilers? <laughs> <laughs> I've also already read Volume 3. <laughs> oh, I haven't finished. Oh, oh, no. oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Volume 2 spoilers only. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, we are spoiling Volume 1 and 2 in this yeah. book. I don't know if we mentioned that. I, I hope we did. If yes. we didn't, we'll have to go back well, we, and We did the that. spoilers warning twice, actually. So. Okay. All right, so if you have not read Volume 3, you can continue re- uh, listening. You're safe. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, like I said, I really like this book. I picked this book. Um, yeah, I think one of the things I really like about Miss Marvel is the fact that it's a new character who doesn't have a huge, long backstory. There's a lot of references to other things going on in the Marvel Universe in, this, in these books. Jeez. But every time one of those things came up, I just said, no, don't care, not even going to check. I don't know what <laughs> Terrigan Mists are. I don't care what's happening with the Inhumans. Doesn't matter. I'm just going to pretend those are fresh and new things that just got invented. Yeah, and in fact, that was the only way I had to engage with the material. Like, uh, And it was probably the most awkward part for me. So when Miss Marvel, it's like, oh, this mist happened, and now I can transform. I guess I'm Miss Marvel now. It was just really strange to me. Well, <laughs> I, I would, I mean, I, I mean, I'm coming at it totally opposite because, like, I could tell you guys more than you want to know about the original Miss Marvel, Carol Danvers, but <laughs> I won't. Um, but uh, you know, like, I I followed all that stuff because I'm familiar with that universe um but i felt that the approach was really accessible like i think that if you know what terrigen myths are then you're like oh in humans right i got it but i think that if you have never experienced that it's just it's the uh it's the macguffin they need to give her powers it's the same as like being bitten by a radioactive spider or you know getting hit with a gamma bomb she got hit with this gas, and now she's got powers. Yeah, and I accept that. I accept that 100%. Uh, is Carol Danvers, is that the same as Captain Marvel? Yes. So I recently read, just as a contrasting experience, I recently read the new, mm, I might get this wrong, Captain Marvel number one, the one yes. where she goes to space nope, or something. that is correct. And that was another one that was pitched to me as, like, no, it's seriously very accessible. You don't need to know any of the backstory. Even issue one, I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. They're throwing around references left, right, and center, and I could not engage with it at all. If you are not into superhero comics, as someone who is 
so far outside, I can guarantee you this is a, the most accessible superhero comic I've ever read. Oh, definitely. I agree. And um, for the most part, like uh, they reference superheroes who are quite colloquial, like Wolverine and Captain America. I thought it was a really adorable touch that um, Kamala wears the Captain America hoodie. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I just, I felt like she was an authentic, like, today teen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, with with little touches like that. I found the Wolverine meetup was so adorable. Yes. I like <laughs> gruff dad Wolverine is the best Wolverine. <laughs> well, and that was that... really charming and I was like totally on board for that and I thought it was just so fun. But when the like Inhumans and what was it Medusa ruler of New Adelan, Queen of the Inhumans, honestly, I just sort of like glazed over and was like, mm. <laughs> This is less interesting, okay? When do we get back to Kamala and her yeah. like main storyline? It just <laughs> it just wasn't as interesting to me, but I think that's a personal preference. I'm not as interested in like the wider universe and I'm not as interested in continuity. I'm just really interested in engaging stories that I can like jump into. Yeah. And I, I would say for the most part, like I would agree. I think that I mean, I know I don't know the Inhumans really well, but I definitely found that was the most opaque part of the story. Uh, and that's where I think Wolverine worked well because I mean, he, they established that she you know she needs a mentor and then this other hero shows up. And, I mean, I know we all know who Wolverine is, but conceivably, if someone didn't know Wolverine, it would just still be like, oh, yeah, she's in this world where there's other heroes, here's another one she's encountering. And and I would say uh, I really appreciated at the beginning, like, how they establish, before she gets her powers, that she lives in a world of heroes, and she has her uh, writing that fanfic of the Avengers. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. That was so cute. And yeah. It, it, it just, like, reinforced the sort of, like today's teen who is definitely reading uh, yeah. comic the comics or at least watching the movies like i think they would really relate mm. to that yeah. um yeah it was just very and, real yeah so i think that it, it you know they did a good job of establishing the, the this is a world of heroes and she's been like a fan and now she's becoming like a participant and like i think that was really adorable too when she first meets wolverine her first reaction is more just like oh my god let's get like a selfie together yeah. like, <laughs> i want to like record this wondrous moment where I meet another, like, per- idol I've been, like, writing fanfic stories about. Like, you know, <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, and I like, too, that uh, she's a fan of Captain Marvel in particular. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, a great way to uh, come up with a character who's not actually a ripoff of a previous character. Because I think a lot of times, especially when Marvel does this, when they have a character, a new character who shows up who has the same name is a previous character, often they're basically interchangeable. Like, whatever else you could say about Miles Morales, he's he's another Spider-Man. So he's got the same powers as Spider-Man. And then, like, why do you need two Spider-Men? That's too many Spider-Men. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> like a wacky sitcom. <laughs> too many Spider-Men. Yeah, That's, true life. True it's life. a musical. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what I liked about with Miss Marvel is she discovers these weird powers she has, and wakes up looking like Captain Marvel because that's her sort of mental impression of what a superhero looks like. And so she just starts calling herself Ms. Marvel. Uh, But her powers are completely different and her origin is completely different. She's a very different character with a different uh, set of powers and so the connection is just the name, basically. Oh, okay. See, I didn't know that. Yeah. I thought Ms. Marvel was the person who had stretchy powers and that's why she 
glommed onto that, and that was like really weird to me. But no, oh. she just like no, no, no. Oh, I know uh, this name's not being used. I might as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, Angela, let me on the way to Carol Danker. She, um, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> uh, just like on that, like becoming Ms. Marvel and like looking like her, I I really liked in the in the narrative that um, she becomes Ms. Marvel like visually, and the moment she does, like this is her ideal of what a hero is, and the moment she does, she's like, I am so uncomfortable mm. in this shape that I thought was my ideal, and like that would make me feel confident and powerful and strong. Yeah. Um, and then once she com- becomes herself again, like she feels way more in control. Like mm-hmm. that's just a really powerful narrative for Absolutely. like a young mm-hmm. woman to read. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love that part. Yeah. <laughs> it was probably one of my favorite things that happened. Yeah. Oh yeah, and I, I mean. I also like that they make fun of this Marvel's original costume too. With the, <laughs> the the black like leotard with the wedgie in the back, and you know, she's like, "This is really uncomfortable to fight crime in." Uh, <laughs> the boots, but, though, it's all about the boots. Yeah, and she's got she really boot. likes the boots. I mean, see, I think Marvel really they kind of did two positive things because like Miss Marvel kind of got upgraded to Captain Marvel and got a new costume, and unfortunately is like mired in continuity, but is, like, really stepping up as, like, a major character, mm-hmm. a major female character. And replacing and that, another and Captain left, Marvel who was kind of not being... Nothing yeah. was done done with that character. Yeah, and that left an opening where they now have kind of brought in this Kamala Khan to be the new Miss Marvel and really re, rebrand that character as something completely new with mm-hmm. new powers and a new costume and just just something totally different. Um, so I think, I think, I mean, even if... It, Captain Marvel's not a good fit for you. I think that Marvel really did a good thing in in kind of like upgrading one female character to make space for another female character, yeah, as great. opposed to just so removing you, one and yeah, supplanting it with something yeah, else. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I'm if I, I'm really happy that there were a lot of fans of Captain Marvel. It just wasn't something yeah. that I could no, for slip sure. in and access. Is yeah. what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> oh, another just like on going back to like nice messages in this work. There was another moment in like book two where. Um, she can't quite handle the whole situation on her by herself, and she asks for help, mm-hmm. and help comes. I thought that was also just like a nice n- narrative and message for for young girls because sometimes we feel like we have to take everything on for yeah. ourselves, and especially when you're like sixteen, you don't feel like you can ask for help in any situation. And then having this sort of superhero admit that, like, you know, I can't do it. I can't be everything for everyone. I need help sometimes. Which is, like, a nice, nice moment. Yeah, and that actually brings up something that I thought was one of the only negatives that I had with the story. So, if we were talking about superhero tropes, the ones that I don't like, uh, one of the ones is, like, no, I must have a secret identity to protect the ones that I love. It's like, that didn't really feel accurate to me with Kamala Khan. I felt like she was very close with her family. And for her to instantaneously get these powers, instantaneously decide she has to be a hero, and instantaneously decide she has to hide this from her entire family... It didn't make sense to mm. me in the context, and I thought, personally, that if they had brought the family on board 100% from the beginning, it could have subverted a lot of, I think, mm. maybe tropes that people would have about that type of family, and would be a really interesting and new dynamic, and I, I really love Kamala's family. I love her dad and mom. Mm. I think oh, they're yeah. Both, yeah. And her brother, even. They're yeah. all such interesting characters that I want to learn more about, and it could be that this is a YA pitch. Like, this is obviously a young adult book, which, uh, when people are writing that, they try to bring in as many young adult characters as they do, which is her friend, uh, the guy from, I read this, like, yesterday, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't remember uh, his is name it Bruno? either. Bruno, yes. yeah, and her friend who is... Mm-hmm. 
Uh, is it, it's Vic. It's, oh, it's uh, oh, Nakia. I, Nakia. Nakia? Nakia. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So her, her peers are really interesting as well, but mm-hmm. I would love yeah. to see the family aspect come more into the fray and be integrated into the storyline rather than a thing apart, which is mm-hmm. kind of conflicting with the storyline right, right now. Yeah, it feels to me like they're creating an arc where eventually her family will find this out and they'll all sort of be on the same page as this, yeah. but I want that to happen as soon as possible yeah. because I'm tired of superhero stories where there's a secret identity and that's the most important thing. And I was like, no, that's not... It doesn't doesn't make sense. Why would you hide that from the people who you will need the most? Yeah, and especially in the age of social media, how successful are you really going to be in that pursuit? <laughs> like, let's be real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I almost felt like uh, her parents knew but were turning a blind eye when she's got this giant inhuman dog, like, hanging around the house. Like, oh, yeah, sure, you've just got this crazy dog with a pitchfork on its head. Like, everything's normal. Oh, sure, you know, Kamala. like, you move, move to New York and all kinds of crazy things happen. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know. I think that um, everything you guys say is valid. I would say that... Um, her family, they really oversell her family being overprotective. And it, it rings as authentic, but I think that they're selling that as a reason for her to have the secret identity. That the, th- the thought process is that if her parents knew she was going out and fighting crime, they would be worried for her safety and they would, they would ask her to not do it. And then, or they would worry. And so she's, she's got the secret identity to, to spare them that. And, and that's something that they've set up in the writing. And I think this is very classic Marvel Comics writing that, um, you know, every Marvel character has their their cross to bear, right? Like Spider-Man had a secret identity to protect his aunt because she had a frail heart and she would have a heart attack if he was in danger, et cetera, et cetera. And so it's, you know, Mar- Marvel wants to have that pathos, that pathos of just like, oh, I want to tell my family, but the I can't for reasons, so yeah. I'm going to have this mask and sacrifice you know like i guess so but i just feel like there's already so much going on with kamala you know like she's already a fish out of water even just wrapped up with her identity and her trying to find her place among this weird area of superheroes like for example like the second she turned into the superhero the first thing she said is she had to be white and stereotypically beautiful you know Mm. and it's just so there's so much interesting territory to navigate Mm. that i guess that one just is like uh kind of like oh with medusa it's like okay okay but can we get back to what's actually interesting about this story (laughs) yeah well it's been it's been done so much i want new things that's what i like about this comic is that it's a new character and new things can happen to her Mm -hmm. she's not like previous characters yes she can she can fight a uh, clone of Thomas Edison that has a bird head. <laughs> there are so many like charming, funny moments of humor throughout this book, like the Thomas Edison bird clone. And then I don't know if you guys <laughs> saw in the backgrounds there were lots of. I guess the artist had a lot of fun with oh, this. Yeah. I like to think where like the oh, backgrounds, yeah. all the books are weird names. Like she has a math textbook that's just all sorts of math exclamation <laughs> mark. Yeah. And in the convenience store, there's a drink called Black. <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh, cute things like that that made it just a really fun reading. Oh yeah, experience. well even even like at the, um, the 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 party she goes to in 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 the field at the issue one, there's just things in the background. Like there's just you can look at like the, the different figures and like there's just like crazy little stories going on of just like how he's depicted these people and like like little party events happening, yeah. you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> the art in this book is so delightful, and I really, really enjoy it. It definitely mm-hmm. is one of the things that drew me into it mm-hmm. automatically. It's not your 
typical. It does not strike me as a typical Marvel style. No. It seems much more, I would say, European animation. Yeah, Is absolutely. what it reminded me of the most. Absolutely. Um, I think Adrian Alfana is amazing. Uh, and I think the fact that the character has this embiggening power, <laughs> uh, which I love that they call it embiggening. <laughs> she um, just comes up with a word, and that's yeah. what it's called for now yeah. on. But, I mean, I, it's like I think that um, to make different parts of your body grow big... That's a hard thing to convey yeah. effectively in, in, in your drawings without it looking like you just don't understand anatomy. Or perspective. Or perspective, yeah. yeah. I think Adrian does a great job of um, making you understand that she just has giant hands right now. Yeah. You know, or she's made her legs super long. And, and considering how quickly some of these transitions happen, it's, it's really well executed. Yeah. Um, I will say, um, I think Jake Wyatt is a, a very competent cartoonist, but I was definitely sad that Adrian Alfana was not drawing those issues. I would have preferred to see Adrian Alfana on the whole thing, but if it had to be an arc, I think the fact that they had Jake Wyatt doing the Wolverine arc was probably a good call, because he did a good job of Wolverine, and he had some really fun uh, panel transitions. Like, there was the one where they're that one, where they're walking through the sewer, and it's all and just it goes one big from page. Bottom to top. Mm. I had the only thing I'd say about that is uh, it's so hard to read because I. <laughs> oh no, that was great. Uh, yeah, I for me uh, when I first saw, it, I was like, how do I read this? And then you just kind of follow the word yeah. balloons, uh-huh. and it, it gives yeah. you a little path. And I thought that was a really great layout. Piece. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. One thing I didn't like about Adrian Alfona's art is the inking. Well, I mean, it's not actually inked; it's just like scanned and colored. But I want blacker lines than this like they're they're kind of a brownish color like i want to see those lines he has such nice (laughs) lines if you look at the um he's got some pages in one of these books where it's just the line work and it's so great it's in the second end of the second volume it's amazing but like when you put the color on then all the lines disappear there's got to be a way to fix that because I, I want to see these lines. Mm. I, it's funny because I disagree because I really think the coloring does a lot of the work in this book. The colorist is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I like the thin style because Ian Nick lines Ian Herring. Great work, Ian. Great. And uh, thick lines is something that I usually associate. Thick lines and a lot of spot black is what I usually would describe as kind of the mm. classic comic book style. Yeah. Okay. And I liked that, you know, this is departing in so mm. many ways, and I'm oh, glad yeah. that it departs in this way as well. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. No, and I I, I think that um, the first two books had a really good arc to it. Like, I think that, you know, you sort of introduce Kamala and her powers, and it takes her a while to kind of come into her own and figure out how she's going to do this and figure out her costume, and um, and then the way it all sort of came to a head uh, with the big fight at the end at her high school. I thought that really upped the stakes where this is the first time that her actions as a superhero really had consequences for people that were close to her. Yeah. And and the way that they took out the inventor, but then they kind of make a nod to the fact that this little sidekick the whole time was the person who cloned the Thomas <laughs> Edison bird in the first place and may very well be an even more... Uh, dangerous individual for her to deal with in the future. Yeah, and I thought that was a really nice little little twist. Um, and I, you... I, 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 I would actually be really curious what, especially what Kathleen thinks about the last book, where there was this real theme. I thought of kind of 
addressing millennial bashing and that the inventor was using teenagers as these batteries and the teenagers themselves were like volunteering because they'd been convinced by the inventor that they had nothing to offer and that the world needed electricity and so they had to sacrifice themselves for the betterment of uh, basically the previous generation uh, and and Kamala kind of being like, well, that's, that's crap. Like, you're, you've got your whole life ahead of you. Why do you want to give up your life for these old people? Yeah, there's a nice line somewhere. I, I can't find it because these books don't have page numbers. But um, where she says, like, if he was really the good guy, like, would he be hurting teenagers? Mm. And that was just, yeah. like, I like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. That was a good arc. Yeah. I don't know. I found that part a little It was a little hackneyed. cloying. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. A little bit. Um, like, I, what I like about the the stuff that Ms. Marvel does is how small scale it is. Mm-hmm. She, like, as soon as you get to the point where someone has a plan that involves the whole country or the whole world, then it's like, mm, no, I, again, I've seen this before. I don't want to see this. I want, I want the small details. Show me the small details. Like, one of her friends got kidnapped. Go save your friend. That's interesting. Yeah. Like, okay, whether... Uh, I'll, I'll buy the idea that this clone of Thomas Edison who looks like a bird is taking her kidnapped friends and using them as batteries and giant robots. I'm on board for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the part where it's like, this is a, a grand scheme, that's the part where I'm suddenly yeah, losing interest. An right. intergenerational yeah. battle. I, I don't know. I thought it was, I'm somewhere in the middle. I did think that the execution of that scene in general was a, a little cloying, I agree. But I thought it it sets up for some of the broader themes that the work is trying to address in general. Mm-hmm. So it's it gives a glimpse of this bigger picture, but I hope they'll start to explore some of those themes on the smaller scale, yeah. where it is about, you know, this generation making a statement for itself, making your own decisions and breaking away from uh, what you're told you have to do mm-hmm. uh, and executing on that yourself. Yeah, I, I, um, I definitely felt like it felt a little... Yeah, a little, little like over the top at times. Like, but I think I don't know. I give it, I give it a a, a wide uh, leash or long leash because it's like, well, you know, it's a Marvel comic. Like, it is going to be a little bit hammy. It's going to be a little bit overdone <laughs> sometimes. It's going to get pull your heartstrings a little more than it needs to. Um, but I, I'm willing to accept that. Um, and I, I just was. I actually sort of thought that, like, I'm the wrong audience for the story because I'm reading this as someone who's more on the other side of that equation. Mm. Uh, I'm not in that millennial generation that's just being thought of as being this useless, lost generation that's all I ever hear about. Um, so no, I, you're, I, I you're read Generation it. Y. You're not Generation I so. X. I guess so. I, well, I'm, on the, technically gener- I'm technically I'm on the, Generation I'm on the top y. of that crest, I guess. But <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't... Anyways, I, I feel like it's really speaking to people that are in their teens right now. Okay. As I guess what I should say. And so I think that if I was a teenager, I probably have heard this speech from my parents or my uncle, or I've read all these dumb articles online talking about how crappy my generation is and how spoiled and awful I am. And so I think reading this comic, I would I would be like, hey, that's great. It's so good that there's this hero who's willing to say, like, that's crap. You need to live your own life. Forget what your parents told you. Yeah, well, as someone who's fairly recently not a teen, um, yeah, like, it, it it was a little bit over the top, but it did 
like sort of ring true to me. And I guess what I liked about that arc was like how Kamala reacted to these things and how she dealt with the situation more than the situation itself. Um, That's she true. really steps up as a leader. Yeah. yeah. And there's this like um, nice moment, like sad, but after the bird guy um, is crushed she's quite upset about the fact that he's dead and, like, that's not what she wanted to do. Oh, and yeah. That's not no, what that she set great. out to do. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just such a great character moment and yeah. really shows you, like, who Kamala is when yeah. things, like, get really tough. Yeah, that was something... Uh, yeah. I said that before you got here. But oh, I was talking about well, how... Uh-huh. I couldn't have known. No, no, no. But, like, not that specific incident, but the idea that... Um, there's sort of consequences to vigilante justice, and even when it seems justified and there's no one else who can do this thing, that you got to be really careful. And I think that's one of those moments where it's like, yeah, okay, this, this is important, this, this part of this story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like also that she calls the cops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, she's yeah. like, well, I'm over my head, now I should call the cops. <laughs> yeah, I wrote down, like, the quote from that scene. She's like, I thought I could handle it all on my own, but uh, wanting to handle it and actually handling it are two different things. All the heroes I've ever loved work in teams. I get why that is now. Even the most embiggened person needs help sometimes, because nobody can be all things to all people. And then she calls the cops. <laughs> that was really, just like, really nice. Even the cops, when she talks to the cops, they're kind of on board with this, because they, they know that she did the right thing. She called them. She's mm-hmm. trying to help. But they're kind of like, urging caution. I forget the exact thing that the cops Yeah, I think says. they say, like, you should have called us sooner, or yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but I, yeah, I, I, um, I think that uh, overall, like, it, there is like a nice kind of microcosm being formed around Kamala. Like, she's the defender of New Jersey. Yeah, like there, I like big, that too. The big things are happening in New York City across the bridge. She's just holding the fort at New Jersey because New Jersey's getting. Doctor Doctor Doom's not attacking New Jersey, so she's <laughs> gonna protect New Jersey from whoever feels up to the task of attacking New Jersey. And the Avengers can deal with the big threats that are attacking New York. You know? I'm sure I'm gonna get a lot of hate mail from New Jersey right now, but you know, like I just think it was it was this nice positioning for her as a character where, you know, she's she knows her own kind of limit. Like she's like, I can protect my neighborhood here. And that's what I'm going to do. And if there's crazy stuff happening elsewhere, I'm going to hope that the Avengers or the X-Men can deal with that because I all I can really do is hold down the fort right here, you know? Yeah, there's a moment where, um, like, af- after the cops get called and stuff where the cop sort of thanks her for um, uh, taking care of Jersey City and she just says, I had to. This is my city, my home. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I think we're going to start running out of time here. So okay. final thoughts. Recommended. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Anyone and everyone. Uh, it's a really fun book. It's a fun read. Yeah, absolutely. My my friend actually was asking me for book recommendations for his teenage daughter, and I first thing, without hesitation, out of my mouth, was like, Miss Marvel, buy that now. It's great. Uh, and I also just wanted to say that I think None of us are surprised that Thomas Edison is an <laughs> evil character, right? Oh, yeah. No, that's, that's <laughs> definitely in character. That's canon. <laughs> yeah, I would absolutely recommend this book, especially um, to, like, teen and tween girls who maybe feel a little bit alienated by superhero comics in general, but really love superheroes and want to read more of them. Would definitely recommend this series. Yeah, I would recommend this uh, this book to anyone. 
anyone and everyone. Um, I would also recommend these creators' other creator-owned work because it is also very, very good. Okay. You know what? I would also recommend this to boys. I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't know why okay. I said just girls. Well, I do know why I said just girls, but no, boys too. Boys should read this too. Mm-hmm. This is for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I think this is the most accessible uh, book for young readers that Marvel is putting out right now. Yeah. Or has ever put out. And it's, it's so appropriate for that audience, but yeah, like anyone who's always felt that there is no way into the Marvel Universe to traditional comics, like this is a great end. Yeah. It's Or, you know, just read this and then read. stop. You don't need to go in. Yeah. No. <laughs> you can say I've read a comic now. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, I know one of the Avengers. I've read one of their books. Yeah, yeah. I only read all that superhero stuff because I felt like I had to. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that's what you did if you liked comics. <laughs> all right. We'd like to thank the creators of this book, G. Willow Wilson, Adrian Alfona, and Jake Wyatt, for making such a great book that we all got to read. Uh, it is available at the VPL and probably at libraries all over the place. I got my copies at Chapters, so super available. I have the VPL copies, so I'll return <laughs> them soon. <laughs> you, you can also uh, get all that and more on Comixology. That's right. That's where I got mine. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm so, subscribed. <laughs> so we're going to do our uh, sign-off with our websites and with our shout-outs. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, I'm Jonathan Dalton. You can find my work at lostcitycomics.com. Uh, and my mainstream shout out is going to be Necropolis, Jake Wyatt's webcomic, which is amazing. And I want more pages now. Yeah, there's like nine pages or something. 16. Wow. <laughs> there's, a, there's this part where it's like he had a hiatus and there's like just. Um, development stuff posted. If you get past that, there's more pages. Yeah, it's fantastic. I've been I've been following the Tumblr. Okay. I have to read this now. Yeah, it's quite good. Okay. Uh, oh, I'm Angela Melick, and uh, you can find my work at wastedtalent.ca. Uh, I'd like to give a mainstream shout-out to Beyond, which just released to its Kickstarter backers and probably will be releasing to everyone else very soon. Yay. But it's an anthology of queer science fiction and fantasy. And uh, I've been following the development of it for a long time, as all of us have, I think, as friends of Spay. And uh, I'm super stoked to have it come out and to read it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, it's so good. I've started reading my PDF. Yeah. Um, I'm Kathleen Gross, and you can find my work at cagcomics.tumblr.com, which is K-A-G-C-O-M-I-X. Um, and my mainstream shout-out is uh, The Wicked and the Divine. I just read the first little trade, and it was quite good. Yeah, I've read that trade of that as well. It's quite good. Right on. Uh, so I'm Jeff Ellis, and you can find my work at jeff-ellis.ca. And uh, just to stick with a theme here for my mainstream shout-out, I'll uh, say another cool Marvel female hero to check out is Spider-Gwen, which is apparently going to become a canon character in the new universe, Gwen Stacy as Spider-Woman. <laughs> Okay, and uh, next episode's book will be... Two Generals by Scott Chandler. The Trade Waiters is presented by Cloudscape Comics. We'd like to thank the Vancouver Public Library for letting us record in their inspiration lounge and sleuth for the music. You can find us at www.cloudscapecomics.com. Okay, episode finished. Ta-da. Let's stop that and record another one. Okay, we oh, got wait, wait, stop it and save it, I guess, and then yes. record another one. Yes.